Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Genesis chapter 50, talking about Joseph. This, I, uh, incidentally, is the end of, it's the last chapter in the book of Genesis. And it's funny that the Bible made it 49 chapters without talking about forgiveness. And what we find here is the very first appearance of the word forgiveness in the entire Bible. So forgiveness did not get introduced till Genesis chapter 49. And in the Bible, scholars tell you that any time a first appearance of any word shows up, there is additional significance added. And so I want you to note this, that the very first time that forgiveness is dealt with is in Genesis chapter 50. Let's begin reading here. At the, uh, at the end of Joseph's dad's life, he passes away. And we'll pick up reading in verse 15, chapter 50. If you don't have your Bible, you're a genius, you have it memorized. Or you can walk up on the screens and we'll have that up there for you. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, their father was dead, they said to each other, perhaps Joseph is now going to hate us and will actually repay us for throwing him into a pit, for threatening to murder him, and selling him into slavery. And he'll actually repay us for the evil we did. So they sent, someone say, messengers. They sent messengers to Joseph saying this, before dad died, he commanded. Say commanded. It's very important. He commanded. Basically, they not only lied and fabricated, but they went as far to say dad's dying wish was he commanded that, he said this, to Joseph, say this to Joseph, I beg you, please, say it with me, the F word, come on, forgive, it's the right F word, thank you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil, for they, someone say they, Uh, I'll talk about that in a second, they did evil to you, now please forgive, forgive, second time, the trespasses of the servants of of the God of your fathers, the God of your fathers. Can you imagine his brothers fabricating this? And just, they did many drafts. They want to make sure they put, okay, dad commanded, right? Wasn't a request, it was like a demand. Dad's dying wish, wish was command. You better forgive and make sure God's in there too. Put God in there, right? So he knows this is like a godly thing to do. God of your fathers. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. I don't believe that he necessarily wept at what they said, I actually believe this is when Joseph found out that his father passed away. We're sad about that. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. Someone say, obviously. Okay, so that's not any news. Joseph said to them, do not be, watch what he says, afraid, for am I in the place, am I in the place of God? But as for you, watch what he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many, many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you, take care of your kids. And watch what it says here. He comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. He comforted them, and he spoke kindly to them. I want to pray real quick. If you're taking notes, get out of jail free. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be at Oceans this morning, church. I thank you that you love Orange County. And I just thank you that, Lord, we're not here to tell people how messed up they are. God, we're here in Orange County to tell people how awesome you are. 
I thank you that no one, no one became a believer in you because someone got up and yelled at how bad they were. Someone got up and told the truth of how good you are. We thank you that it's the goodness of God that leads us to you. So I pray this morning that you would show us how awesome, how true, and how good you are. I pray we'd have a good time, maybe even laugh a little bit. I pray we'd have fun this morning together, all leave saying the same thing. God was in that place. We love you, Jesus. Help our Lakers. In Jesus' name. Come on, someone said amen. Come on, say amen. You ever played board games with cheaters? If you're laughing, it could be you. I don't know if you ever played with someone that actually adjusts the rules mid-game. My wife's family is perpetually competitive, and I never, never knew what competitive people were like until I married into the Wild family. My wife's maiden name was Wild. I'm like, yes, Lord, come on. Wild with an E. And uh, my wife's brother, Chris Wild, was my mentor. He was my youth pastor, really, really the one that was responsible. God used him to get me to where I'm at today, but... Chris is one of the greatest Christians I've ever met in my whole life. But I will be honest with you, he is, uh, he's a bit competitive. A little overly competitive. He would claim that he's a redhead, come on. Self-proclaimed redhead with an anger problem, come on. And uh, just doesn't do well when, uh, when he's playing board games. I don't know if you've played Monopoly before, but I think it's one of the longest games ever made. It's that and the Sellers of Catan, come on. Two longest games, like, hey, you want to play this game? It's like, uh, I don't have three months on my hands. But Monopoly is a long game. Uh, we all know that the goal is, come on, park place and boardwalk. Can I get an amen? And I'm not interested in houses. I want apartment complexes. I want condos, duplexes. Come on. And uh, I was trying to remember what that, like mashed potatoes, gravy, what that lady say that? We'll keep going. Okay. Uh, green beans, taters, hog. Okay. Uh, sorry. I just had this. I wasn't always a Christian. Um, I, uh, I love the fact that, uh, that you, play, you play Monopoly and uh, it's always the same you know, rhythm. The goal is to go around and every time you go around, you want people to land on your property so they pay you. And every time you do a lap, come on, who likes the lap? You get paid. It's like payday. I just love it. And uh, I like to be the banker. Come on, somebody. Because you just pay yourself a little bonus here and there. I'm just kidding. That's some of you guys. I know who you are. But uh, I love playing it. But one of my favorite things to have when you're playing Monopoly, I think it's important. You've got to pick out the right vehicle. Come on, where's my, uh, where's my little, uh, where's the car people in Monopoly? Come on, there's one. Thank you, Luke. Is there anybody here likes the little, what's the little sewing thing that you do? The thimble. That's what, come on, thimble people in here. God bless you. Where's my horse people at? Little, isn't there a horse? Yeah, come on, right there's two of you. God bless you. Come on, Cameron, I saw you. See that hand. Um, Swanee, what's the other, I don't even know what the other, the shoe. Who likes the shoe? I like the shoe. I'm a shoe guy. And the iron, come on. All right, top, I better keep going. We're getting sidetracked here. Let's play Monopoly. Uh, it's funny, though. You, you play Monopoly, and I just love the security that's found when you have the opportunity to actually draw the card. And we all know the card. It's the get-out-of-jail free card. It's like having a, a new, newfound confidence in life. Is that you're just not scared to land on go straight to jail because you have a free way out. Come on, a free way out. It's not a toll road. It's a freeway. Come on, Orange County. You have a free way out of jail. And uh, I, I love this idea that, that you get out of jail free. And the idea is, is when you're supposed to go and get locked up, miss turns, miss paydays, miss the potential of the future, that you have the opportunity because you have something in your back pocket that says, no, I ain't staying here anymore. Come on. I feel like preaching. And uh, I can get out of this place right now for, for free. And I actually believe that uh, 
This is a great picture to us uh, today, living in 2018, of what forgiveness has the power to do in our lives. You see, I believe that unforgiveness will lock you up in a cell. I actually believe that we think that when we, when we have unforgiveness towards somebody else, that we actually put them in a holding cell. It's kind of like some of you guys on Facebook that you don't accept someone's friend request. They live in a perpetual state of purgatory. And they're like this holding cell, like, I don't know if I like them that much yet. I'm not going to let them join my life yet. And I feel like some, some of us, what we do is, you know, someone wrongs us, hurts us, harms us. And what we do is we say, you know what I'm going to do? Forget that person. I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to get even. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm just, I'm fired up. I'm just, they deserve, come on, the wrath of Mark Francie. Never going to say that again. Sound aware. I'm not, I like talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> but they deserve my wrath. I'm fired up. They, they cheated, uh, you know, cheated on this business deal. They took money from my business. They, they lied to me or they lied to my spouse or they broke my heart or they, they did this or that. I think there's so many reasons in life that you're rightfully offended. Remember one day I was telling God why I was right and why it's okay. Come on, you ever try to educate God? Like, God, you, but no, I know you're supposed to forgive, but this is an exception. I found a loophole. Come on. Who's ever found a loophole in the cloths? It's like, yeah, I'd forgive everybody. This guy's an idiot, though, you know? And I was just telling God one night why I didn't want to forgive this particular individual. And I remember God just very sternly said, Mark, forgive them. But I said, but God, they're wrong. And God said, I know. You don't forgive people that are right. You don't have to forgive people that are right. You have to forgive people that are My grandpa used to always say this way, love your enemies. You made them. It's getting quiet in the Presbyterian church. I was too strong, sorry. Back off a little bit. I love Joseph because I actually believe that this guy who inherited this crazy destiny that affected not only the economy of Egypt, but the, also the known world, probably the most, one of the most influential Christians to ever live, even before Jesus was on the earth. And this guy changed the global landscape because of the character that he developed during 17 years of crazy, underneath-the-surface uh, character trials. I actually believe this, though, that Joseph never would have became Joseph if he didn't pass the pardon test. I actually believe, fundamentally, that we never would have wrote, read about Joseph in these, these last 15 chapters of Genesis had it not been for a decision that he made in the pit. I forgive them. Had it not been for the decision he made to Potiphar's wife, I forgive her. Had it not been for the butler who forgot about him after he got reinstated to power, I forgive that butler. And you know what? Guess what? While I'm at it, how about the 11 brothers that wronged me so bad, they threatened to murder me, but inevitably sold me into slavery and betrayed me. His whole life, he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to say, you know what? This is the final straw. But I actually believe that before he forgave his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, he made a decision in a jail cell to say, you know what? I forgive everyone that's wronged me. Because I actually believe this. If he would have been holding on to bitterness, he never would have saw that the butler and the baker in prison were actually sad. Because he would have been actually festering on his own sadness. Bitter people are self-absorbed. I'm telling you right now that, like we've heard it said many times, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the person you're mad at to die. It doesn't affect other people. It affects you. 
and we think that we're locking up them up in our minds, but we're actually locking ourselves up in our minds. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful force. I actually believe this, though. Genesis 50, he says, guys, he says four powerful things, but I want to just, just backtrack just for a moment here and just, just paint this picture. It never says that his brothers ever fully repented to him. There's no documentation in the Bible. The only thing it says they said is, we are your servants. And it's like, uh, yeah, I know. You see the ring? You see the house? You see my cars? Now leave. You know, I'm just kidding. It's crazy. He knew that they were his servants, but it never said this. It says that they sent messengers saying, hey, they sinned against, against you. But they never came to Joseph and said, we have sinned against you. So what do you do when the person that you need to forgive never even fully repents? How do you handle people that they live perpetually wrong and the only choice you can make is how you treat them, not how they treat you? I heard a story of a a well-known pastor, and this is back in like the 80s, back when church was a different world before cell phones, come on, before pagers. And uh, this particular preacher at a big church in Texas they invited this guy to come and speak to their church, and this guy shows up. Uh, he he you know he he didn't show up. They invited him to come. This is this is crazy for me to think about this, but they expected this preacher to show up and preach at this big church of thousands of people, and the music starts, and this guest minister does not show up. They go through the songs. He's still not here. So the pastor has to get up and speak. Guy's a no show. They couldn't call him. Couldn't page him. This is just a different era. And so uh, they had two services in the morning, and the pastor had to speak both services, and they had a night service. And uh, it was wild. The night service came, and they start singing, and lo and behold, halfway through the, the, the song list, this guest speaker walks in like nothing even happened. He's expecting to speak. And the, uh, some of the leaders in the church came to the pastor and said, Pastor, he's here. What do you want us to tell him? Like, what do we say to him? And this pastor said this crazy thing. He said, Tell him he can speak. And they're like, but he didn't show up. He didn't communicate, didn't apologize. He just like has this entitlement that he's God's gift to the earth. And they said, no, no. He said, no, he's going to speak tonight. He said, all right, okay, if he speaks, he only spoke one service, not three services. What should we give him as far as like, a, like an honorarium or a gift financially? And the pastor said something very powerful. He said, give him what we would have gave him for the whole day. They said, what? They said, but he didn't come this morning. He didn't do his job. And he said a very powerful thing. The pastor looked at the the leaders of the church, and he said this. He goes, I've learned something in life that I cannot control how other people treat me, but I always have the power of how I treat other people. I believe that what we do when we make a decision to forgive somebody is that we can't choose what we go through in life, but we can choose, come on, how we go through it. And I believe this, that, that forgiveness, when you forgive somebody, you in no way change the past, but I believe in all ways you change the future. I believe that forgiveness is powerful. Can I get an amen? You know what forgiveness means? It means to be for, give. For, give. It means, for means to be in favor of. And I believe that when you're a for giver, it means that you're in favor of giving somebody something that they might not deserve. Are you with me today? So Joseph's brothers never even apologize fully, never even say they're really wrong. They just say, hey, don't spank us when you come into power and dad's dead. Don't don't take vengeance on us. And I believe this, that Joseph discovered a powerful truth that David discovered, 
that many other great men and women of God throughout the Bible discovered that vengeance and justice belongs to God. I'll prove it to you. Here's three points I want you to write down this morning when it pertains to forgiveness. I believe, number one, it says, uh, it says this in Genesis chapter 50 uh, in verse, uh, verse 19. He says, do not be afraid. When his brothers came to him, he says, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? I believe this. Number one, if you're taking notes, when it pertains to forgiveness, I believe number one thing you've got to understand is justice belongs to God. God alone controls justice. James chapter 1 says, be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. And he goes on to say this, the brother of Jesus, that's what most theologians, theologians believe. He says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know what we try to do? Vengeance means to make something unjust, just. But the problem is, is me and you aren't just. We're not just. Only God is just. And so what happens is when we try to get revenge or vengeance, we can't, fully justify a situation because we're not just. Let me say it this way. We are justified in the faith, but we are not just as human beings. So we can't rectify a wrong situation because we don't have the full knowledge of the situation. So he says this. Here's the first thing you got to know, that justice, it belongs to God. It belongs to God. What's the second thing we know about Joseph's life? Is he says the second powerful thing. He goes, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I believe this, that only God, God alone, can actually bring good out of evil. Who believes that in this room? How many of the God is big enough in his sovereignty to turn your worst decisions in the worst moments of your life and actually make those some of the greatest things that ever happened to you in his divine, sovereign, redemption, uh, redemptive will? I remember I was younger, and I remember, never forget this, I was in a city, and someone informed me, it was on the news, that this was one of the first cities in America that actually started recycling sewage water. And they were recycling the sewage water and making it tap water in the faucets. Remember, I didn't drink for three months. And I thought, man, how disgusting is this? How can, you, how can you take something so polluted, so toxic, and think that you can actually purify it to a degree that it's safe to drink again, and it doesn't actually... Let me read this. So I started doing a little research on this this week, and I thought about this. It says, uh, interesting, it says that we can recycle waste for a new purpose. This is crazy. So toilet water, it says is being filtered and treated. Someone say filtered and treated until it's as pure as natural spring water. Recycled water, watch this, is safe, and it says, and it tastes like any other form of drinking water. I thought to myself, I don't know if I believe that. Come on. I'm still going to go with some Fiji water. Can I get an amen? But for the sake of the message, I want to say this to you that I actually believe that we serve a God that has the power to actually filter and purify the worst moments of our life. The toxic things that happened to you when you were 15, 14, 9. Do you know we serve a God that in his sovereignty can bend those dark moments of your life to your advantage? We're 11 weeks into Ocean's Church, and I want you to know this. Ocean's Church has been in my, mine and my wife's heart for over a decade. But I want you to know that it never would have been in our hearts had we not dealt with the resentment and, and bitterness of our childhoods. My wife grew up in the church. She got to meet some of the meanest Christians on the earth that were in our church. 
I grew up outside of the church. I had, a, I had parents. My dad was this Christian guy, and I, I saw my parents go through this brutal divorce, and I remember watching my dad physically, you know, inflict harm on my mom, and them fighting in front of me physically. I remember my dad sitting on the porch with a rifle, telling me as a second grader that when my mom comes home, he's going to take her life. I'm not, even, I'm not even trying to say that my story is worse than your story. I'm not even trying to say this. I'm not trying to shame my parents. I just want you to know, I felt like the Lord told me that I need to be vulnerable and transparent, that we, we don't choose to forgive because we have a good life. We don't only forgive things that are on a certain scale of pain. I actually believe that even the worst sewage in your life, God can recycle for his purposes. Come on, if you're going to give God a hand clap, give him a good hand clap this morning. I believe that God can recycle even the sewage in our life if we choose to forgive. Joseph didn't wait until his dad died to forgive his brothers. I believe he chose a long time before that. Whether it was the pit, whether it was in the palace, whether he was stewarding uh, in Potiphar's household, I believe, listen to me, that forgiveness is a premeditated decision. Because if you wait until how you feel... You write this down. You can actually act your way into feeling way before you can feel your way into acting. Many of us wait wait till we feel. I gotta feel it. I gotta feel it. You know, I've learned some of the most important decisions in your life are not feelings. Well, I didn't really feel like I loved her anymore. Uh, Well, I didn't feel like going to school sometimes, but I stuck with it. I didn't feel like going running last night at twelve thirty, but it was the only time I had to go running last night. It was a humble brag right there, by the way. Kind of proud of myself. Hold me accountable, guys. I want you to know that there's times you don't feel like doing things, but if you live governed by your emotions, you're going to end up working a job you can't stand, living with someone you don't love, having a life you don't enjoy. Because the greatest decisions you make are premeditated before you get into a feeling place. Come on, let's go preaching this morning. Amen. I believe this. That Joseph, he, he, he understands that, look, God is the only one that has the place to make things right. And by the way, God is the only one that can bring good out of evil. Number three, if you're taking notes, in the bank, can come up here. I love this. He goes on to say that God brought me here, not you. And by the way, he brought me here and let me go through this hard, difficult season so that I could save the lives of many other people. Number three, I believe, I write this down, that, that God, will, God alone can prosper others through your choice to forgive. Write that down. God can prosper others through your choice to forgive. I love it because many people think, well, i got to wait till they apologize to me. Again, we don't wait on their response. We initiate forgiveness. We're in favor of forgiveness. But I've learned this, these quick three things I want you to write down. You will never be good at forgiving if, number one, you're not good at, number one, three, three little things about forgiveness. You have to make a decision to release it. Do you know that no one else can forgive for you? You're the one in control of letting people out of the jail cells of your mind. I, lo- I'll be on- I locked my dad up in a jail cell for a lot of years. Didn't like talking to him. Actually, one of the things I didn't like about becoming a Christian was the first thing God ever spoke to me uh, as a believer is he said Mark I was at a camp in Idaho visiting lived in California and my and God told me this he said Mark I want you to move to Idaho I want you to go to Bible college and I want you to live with your dad I was like God is two out of three okay 
How many know that partial obedience is still disobedience? It's probably the hardest. Idaho was crazy. I didn't want to move to Idaho. It's like back, you know, in 2000, early 2000, Idaho was still looking a little bit like Napoleon Dynamite. So I'm not sure about this. And then I'm like, Bible college? But God, like, I'm cool. Come on, anybody else have that thought? All the Christians I knew in high school were like, man, my gosh, Lord, do what you can. And, and I'm like, Bible college? And then I'm like, well, my dad? But I don't like him. He's bipolar. He like, he's mad at me, nice to me. He's up and down. I can't handle him. You know what I've learned is that, that when you obey God, he just has a way of working things out. But my dad was going through his third divorce, his third wife, when I moved to Idaho. And I'll never forget, he's just going through this hard season, and I, I resented him for a lot of years. My dad is very charismatic, very likable, but just has a lot of things that wounds from his childhood. And I believe this, that I had to make a conscious decision, because here's the truth, write this down. You can learn one of three ways. You can learn through good example. Good example, meaning you have a mom or a dad that comes home from work, plays with you, takes you to the park, takes you on a bike ride. How many know you want to be like that mom or dad when you get older? You can learn not only from good example, but you can learn through bad example. You can learn through bad example. You, you can go like this. I'm not going to talk to my wife the way that he talked to his wife. I'm not going to say things to strangers the way that he said things to strangers. I'm not going to let my anger govern my life. So you can learn actually by taking their actions and doing the opposite of them. And you can learn the third way, which is learning from neither one of those examples. And stay the same. I had this revelation when I was like 20 years old that God said, Mark, you have your dad still locked up in the gel of your mind. You got to make a decision to let him go. And he went on to say this. He goes, Mark, he's been a great father to you and he's actually taught you how to be a great husband and a great father and a great leader. You know, that's true because in many areas, my dad was phenomenal. But even in the areas that he wasn't, you know what's crazy? I learned from his bad example. So I'll never forget calling him when I was 20 years old. I was, at a, I was at a camp, and this pastor presented this truth to me. So I remember calling my dad. I said, I need to talk to you when I get home. I got home, and I said, Dad, I want to thank you for teaching me how to be a good husband. I want to thank you for teaching me how to be a good father. I want to thank you for teaching me how to have a great work ethic. And the truth was, all of that was true. But what he didn't know is that some of them were from his good example, and some was from his not good example. But the truth is, is you can learn from both. Can I get an amen? I believe this morning that you have to make a decision to release forgiveness. I release it. All right. How do you release forgiveness, preacher? Number two, by receiving forgiveness. Write it down. Receiving forgiveness. I actually believe that if you're not good at forgiving people, it's because you're not good at receiving God's forgiveness. You think that If you think that you have to earn God's forgiveness... And by the way, some of you have really bad theology, which means you don't see God very accurately. You think that when you watch something you shouldn't watch or say something you shouldn't say, or when you forget to read your Bible, or you remember and you don't, and you have a bad day, that it's God getting even. So, oh man, lock my keys in the car. Okay, God, I deserve that. And then you get your keys out of the car, you start driving, you get a flat tire. It's like, all right, God, totally deserve that one too starts raining out. It's like, oh, nice touch, God. Nice touch. I earned that one too. Having a bad day. Got a ticket on the way. Man, God, you're, you know what? You're right. You're right. I deserve that. Listen to me. 
everything that you and I deserved was put on Jesus on the cross. All of God's wrath, all of his anger, everything that he had to spank us, he put on Jesus 2,000 years ago. Let me say it this way. God treated Jesus the way that we deserve to be treated. So that 2,000 years later, he could treat us the way that he wanted to treat Jesus. Everything that you owed God, Jesus paid. My God, that's good. Can I get an amen up in here? Everything that you owed God, Jesus already paid. So we don't earn forgiveness. We receive it. It says that God can't even look upon the evil. But it says that his eyes are on the righteous. How do you know that God's eyes are on you if you're, if you're not living righteous? Because it says that his eyes are on the righteous. And it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, it says that, it says that we are the righteousness in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says that God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to know, friends, that we don't earn forgiveness, we receive it freely. Listen to me, if you could earn it on your good days, that means you could lose it on your bad days. And I got news for you that God's love is not conditional like ours. I know I'm kicking some cows up in here today, but I want you, this is religion. Religion says you have to earn your way into God's favor. If you want to earn your way into God's favor, Christianity is not the religion for you. Because we don't earn our way into good standing with God. Can I get a good amen? You don't earn it, you don't deserve it. Does that mean that we can just keep living like idiots? No, I think it's the goodness of God that changes us to want to be like Him. But I'm not good so that He can love me more. I'm good because I'm loved more. You see, God knows you the best, but He loves you the most. And there's no one else on the earth that sees the worst parts of you, but still loves you with the best part of Him. We got to receive it. We got to receive it. And I believe the third thing that you got to do if you want to live a life in your marriage, with your kids, with your family, with your business, is you have to believe in forgiveness. So we have to, we have to release it. We have to receive it. And what's the third thing you got to do, Mark? I believe that you have to believe that, you know what, God, as you've forgiven me, I'm going to forgive other people. I love this because in Matthew 18, Peter, who I like to liken myself to, Peter was a guy that talked and then he thought, Peter was like, hey, Jesus, how many times I got to forgive these guys? Tired of them, you know? Sons of thunders are getting on my nerves. He's like, Judas, don't get me started. That guy is stingy. And he says, how many times do I got to forgive him? And Jesus goes, he's like, seven times, Jesus? And Jesus goes, no, 70 times seven. I was like, all right, 490? I think we're there. And Jesus goes, let me tell you a story. There's a guy that owed a multiple million dollar debt could never pay it and uh, when he couldn't pay it the guy brought him before him his, his, his debtor and he said hey pay me my money and when he couldn't pay him he goes alright I'm going to sell you your family all of your possessions to, to pay for some of your debt and the guy falls on his knees and says have mercy on me right so this guy is actually nice enough to have mercy on this guy that owed him millions of dollars goes back to his house and finds his uh his house cleaner that owes him 20 bucks. He says, pay me my $20. And when the house cleaner couldn't pay him $20, he throws him in prison. Story gets back to the master that owed millions of dollars. 
And the master called him in and goes, how in the world could you not forgive 20 bucks when you were forgiven multiple millions of dollars of debt? Jesus says, likewise, if you don't forgive from your heart, you have to forgive other people the way that you were forgiven by God. I want you to know that all the debts of all of the injustice in your life are $20 debts compared to what Jesus did for us. $20 debts. We were forgiven millions, friends. And I believe that you can write this down, that true forgiveness, it says forgive from the heart. It says that in Matthew 18. But in uh, Genesis 50, in one of the last verses we read, it says this, that he actually comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I believe that forgiveness really isn't forgiveness until you're in a place in your heart that you can be kind and you could actually comfort the people that have hurted you. Some of you are so bitter that you're trying to prove something to someone that's not even alive anymore. Can we let go? Let them out of jail. I close with this story. It's in almost all the Gospels. There's a guy named Barabbas. Barabbas was a mafia leader. He actually ran a, he ran a bunch of organized crime, murders, stealing, probably rape, extortion. You name it. This guy was a thug. And him and his two buddies were actually sentenced to be a they were on death row. All three of them were sentenced to, to the cross. That was the electric chair of their day. And on a weird day, this guy Barabbas, who was a thug, gets a, a, a crazy, crazy visitor, walks into the prison, and he's in there with two of his friends that are all getting ready to get murdered that day. And as they're getting ready to get murdered, the jail cell opens up, and the jailer goes, hey, Barabbas, you're released. And Barabbas looks at his two thug friends and he goes, what? This has got to be a mistake. Walks out, I'm sure, right away, like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And I'm probably, I'm probably just thinking, I'm using my imagination, but I'd imagine on the way out, he probably goes, how in the world am I getting released from death row? How did I get released from that cell? And I believe that the officer probably said something like this, you're free to go because Jesus is taking your place. Do you know that Jesus was crucified on a cross that wasn't built for him, but it was built for Barabbas? And I want you to know this, that we forgive others out of their jail cells because Jesus released us from our cell. If he can forgive me of millions, I can forgive others for 20s and hundreds. If you're going to clap, you've got a good hand clap this morning. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.